0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. How are you? What's the problem? So, I heard some really great stories this week. Oh, man, you know I love stories, right? And the best kind of stories are the stories of when God changes a person 's life and so on Monday night, you as, if you were here last week, you know that Shannon and I were at the Southern Baptist Convention, and we were um, we were there as messengers of the church, but also Um, just to to be a part of all that God was doing. Over 15,000, just shy of 16,000 people registered. And if you don't know anything about Southern Baptist, basically this is the largest business meeting in the world. The first couple of days, we we listen to messages and we worship, and we actually on Monday night had a sending ceremony. We sent sixty something uh, uh, missionaries uh, internationally. It was just it was phenomenal, just really really cool. What was so cool too is that the stage was multicultural, multicolored. Um, The audience was you know don't believe what you hear when you say that Southern Baptists are just a bunch of old white guys. Nothing could be farther from the truth. A large number of our new church plants in this country are af- actually ethnic churches in places where, um, uh, where there's great need for churches, mostly in the cities and, and in the, um, the hub centers of the, of the country. But on Monday night, uh, we heard a story um, from a guy named Mark Rick. You ever heard of him? Probably not even saying that name right, but he was the, the coach, the legendary coach from um, Georgia. And just has a couple of national championships. He was then the coach of uh, Miami University of Miami. Just did a, 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 I think, a good job. But I guess the, ver- jur- the jury is out on that. Um, but what was neat is that he shared his story on Monday night, and I won't tell you all of his story because I'll mess it up. You can go online and you can you can Google it and you can listen to it. But essentially, he became a believer while an assistant. Uh, after he graduated, after he stopped playing, after he got out um, uh, uh, out of the NFL, he became a graduate assistant um, with um, um, Bobby Bowden. And one of his players, the second year he was there, one of his players was killed in a, at a party by another person who shot him. And Bobby Bowden, the coach of Florida State, brought everybody together in the locker room and said, "Pablo was the guy's name." Pablo. Uh, had a tragic occurrence yesterday. And so the question that I don't know, that I wish I knew is, where is he now? Where is he in all eternity? And then he said, "If, if you... Had this happened to you last night, where would you spend eternity? And even though Mark was a coach, he was listening, and he said God was speaking directly to him by Bobby Bowden's voice. And that night, uh, he wrestled with it. The next day, he walked into Bobby Bowden's office, and he said, Coach, we need to talk. Coach said, Okay, let's talk. And, And basically, he said, Look, what you were saying last night hit me right here. And I know that if I were to die today, I would not spend eternity with God. I would spend eternity separated from God for all of eternity, a place called hell. And he said, I wanna make that right. And so Bobby Bowden got up from his desk and walked around and the two of them knelt on the floor and, and Mark Rick prayed to receive Christ. And what he said was, in that moment, everything changed. Now everything in his life outwardly didn't change, but everything internally changed because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hey, let's turn the house lights on. Can we do that? Go ahead and pull them all up. Uh, if anyone's a new, uh, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He said, so God placed his spirit inside of me at that moment, and, and my life was different. My life was, I, I saw things differently, I thought differently, I loved differently, and I coached differently. I mean, it was a shift. If you fast forward a couple of years, um, and, and what was really cool too is in that moment, um, the, the person who was the MC asked Mark Rick, if you could speak to Bobby today. In fact, why don't you go ahead and just look into the camera and I want you to talk to Bobby and just, just, just say a few words of thanks to him. And, and Mark started to and, and then, uh, then, then the MC goes, wait a minute, time out. Why don't you just go over there and tell him yourself? And Bobby Bowden had slipped onto the stage and was in the corner. It was super cool. And then so they sat down and, and, and talked for a few moments and then he said, um, that his life was to, be made, to make a difference everywhere he went. And the MC said, now there's a story of a guy who was a reporter who you had an impact on. Do you remember his name? And of course, Mark knew his name. He said, what would you tell him if he were here? He, in fact, he actually is. And the reporter stood up in the crowd. And these are the words that he said. He said, I was a reporter in the audience at one of your press, uh, press conferences. And while you were speaking, all that I could think was, This man is different. He's different. And it was attractive. And I came to Christ because you were different. And what was so cool about that is you could see how God uses one person's different to affect or affect another person to be different, to affect another person to be different. And it shows you the power and the nature of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who will believe and that power is displayed by God's goodness through our own difference. So when you match the power the words of the gospel, the story of the gospel with a life that has been transformed by the gospel, you have an impenetrable source of hope and life for all who will see that. Amen. You, as a follower of Jesus, have been called to be different. Hence, voila. How many of you, when you saw me for the first time today, your thought was, well, that's different. Anybody? Now, if you know, you you know that I get judged every single week based on what I wear. Maybe not by you, but by my my son and by Krista, my sister-in-law. Every single week they give me a number. Now, just so you'll know, I have moved from a solid six and a half to a respectable nine to 9.5 on a weekly basis. I'm rather proud of that. Last week, I'm told I was actually back to a six and a half. I don't know what went wrong, but something did apparently. But, but, but the, the, the point is this. This is not something I would normally wear. You know that, right? But there's nobody else who looks like me today. That's a good thing. And I'll also, for the record, note that this is Joshua's suit, but it fits me. Thank you very much. A lot of hard work went into that. A lot of, now be careful on the front row, because if I don't keep it in, that button is going to go flying. <laughs> so the thing is, though, it's, it's really different. It's noticeably different, and you noticed without me saying a word about it. My, the best comment of the entire day was Leanna. She said, wow, that's Actually, something to the effect of, I'm shocked, but I like it. Those are her words. I'm shocked, but I like it. And I said, why are you shocked? And basically, because you don't dress like this, but I like it. It's attractive. As a follower of Jesus, people should be shocked, but they should like it. And they should be shocked because you are antithetical of the rest of the word. There's such a difference in your life that it is noticeable that you literally are a thermostat rather than a thermometer. The difference between a thermostat and a thermometer is what? They both deal with temperature, but one of them simply reflects the current temperature of the room, the other one sets the temperature of the room. One of them is a follower, one of them is a leader. One of them is passive, the other one is active. One of them is changed, the other one brings forth change. The gospel in your life should make you different. Now, here's the second story. It's that story I heard on Monday night. On Tuesday night, I heard this story, and I actually heard it through uh, the showing of a new movie that's coming out September 10th from the Kendrick Brothers. I really recommend you watch it. It was fabulous. It's the story of Sherman Smith. You ever heard of him? He was a college football player that went to uh, Pro football, played for the Baltimore Ori... Uh, Actually, I'm not sure where he played, to be honest with you. Uh, He was with the Titans. And then he finally, his last of his career, he was a coach for the Orioles. Not the Orioles, that's a baseball team. For the um, Ravens, yes. Baltimore Ravens, thank you. So I I, I was close, right? So here's what happened in um, uh, Sherman Smith's story. He was a good ball player... And he made it to the pros. And when he went into the locker room, there was one guy that he noticed was different. And this, this guy, his name was Ken Hutchinson. If you're a fan, you might recognize his name. That's old school now. Hutchinson was different. He was a, he was a follower of Jesus. And so he didn't talk the same. He didn't act the same. He, he worked hard. He had character. He had integrity. But when Hutchinson was in the room, they called him Hutch. He was, just, he was just a force that was there. And so this young rookie player noticed Hutch, and he was watching him from a distance. And then at some period after that, uh, Ken had an had a, a injury, blew out his knee, and his career in that moment on the field was over. He was wheeled off to the locker room, and after the game, um, uh, Sherman Smith went into the locker room to console his new friend, Ken Hutchinson, Hutch. And as he was consoling him, what he was realizing is that his consolation wasn't really necessary because the man who had just lost his entire career had hope, had joy, and he said words like this, hey man, it's just a need. God's got something else in store. God's going God's to gonna take care of me. It's going to be Okay. And this young player was looking at this guy going, how is this possible that if this happened to me, my life would be over, but you, you seem to be taking it rather strangely, rather differently. And then Ken shared the gospel. And Sherman trusted Christ. They began a friendship and a relationship. Fast forward, according to him, fast forward not too long after that, I don't know if it's months or weeks or a couple years but his friend Ken uh, called him into his, into his room and said, hey man, I, I need to ask a favor of you. Yeah, sure man, whatever you want, I'll do it, no problem. He said, um, Sherman, I, I need to ask you to stop telling people you're a Christian. Now, obviously that was a shock. He goes, wait a minute, you led me to Christ, what, what are you saying? He said, see, it's like this man, you're making it really hard for the rest of us Just left it at that. Sherman said that his heart just sank. He was was broken. Because what he was hearing was. His life didn't match up to his words. And then his mentor said to him. You just don't know who you are. You see, the thing that happens in our life is when we are born again, we are a new creation. There is an internal change. The old is gone, the new has come, but we still have the flesh that we have to deal with. And so the message today is this Be ye different. That's the King James version that doesn't even exist. But that's, that's what, that if it's a new Jeff version, it's that be ye different, but not in things that don't really matter. Be ye different in things that actually do matter because the difference is not just external. The difference is the internal that's bubbling over and overflowing so that you set the temperature of the room. I'm gonna ask you this question. the places you go and the clubs you're in and the relationships that you have, when you walk into the room, do people notice a difference? Has there been a change in the culture of where you hang out because you are there? Now, to be fair, You're not going to get that change like that. But let me tell you something. If you are consistently in the midst of a place where darkness is all around you, if there is no gradual or substantial change over a period of time, perhaps you are not different. And I can't answer that for you. You have to ask yourself that question. But when you're in a place where you are the light, if there's no difference, you have to really wonder, are you actually the light? He said, "Well, how how come it's my job to be the light?" Well, I'm glad you asked. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter five. By the way, I finally got a new Bible. I have the whole book of Revelation now. I'm so excited. My old Bible had been had been uh, pages had been falling out, and I lost like like Revelation six and four. and I just didn't have, so I had to go digital when I wanted to see the end of the story. But now I have, a, but you know the downside of a new Bible and why I've been putting it off, because now the pages stick together and there's no underlined or circled verses or anything, so it's a brand new start. So you say, well, 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 am I really supposed to be that different? Well, let's just let Jesus answer the question. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said to his disciples, now here's the story, Right? So he had called uh, his disciples together, but he actually was on the side of a hill. And, and on this hill, it was a place where teachers were known to teach. And so hundreds, maybe even thousands of people were gathered below him. But his disciples were the primary audience. They were just kind of getting the lanyap, right? They were getting the extras and the, the, the stuff that, uh, that, that the disciples didn't catch, Right. And so he was speaking to his disciples and he gave them what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are those, blessed are those, right? And then he comes to this part in verse 13 where he says these words. Or uh, he says, you are the salt of the earth. So think about this. Let's just pretend you're the disciples, right? He's looking at them and they're close, right? He's going, you, you are the salt of the earth. Now, he didn't say you are the salt of Galilee, which is where they were. He didn't say you're the salt of Nazareth, which is a nobody podunk town where Jesus was born. He didn't even say you are the salt of Jerusalem or you are the salt of all of Israel. No, he said you are the salt of the entire world. You are the salt of every square centimeter of this entire planet that I made. You the salt. And then he says one more thing that I think is even more descriptive in verse uh, 14. Apparently, I should have got bigger print. In verse 14, he says, you, I, in my mind, again, I, 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 <laughs> I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm thinking of like Yoda, right? You are the light of the... That didn't happen, but I'm just imagining if Jesus probably had a sense of humor, and I'm thinking it would have been really cool for him to do that. Jesus looked at his disciples. He says, men, you are the light of the world. They didn't have a clue what he meant. They didn't have any idea. At this point, they were new believers. They were were guys who who just didn't fully grasp who they were. And so these words, you are the light of the world, they would have been like, okay, cool, okay, But you see, if you look at all of Scripture and you look at what the Bible talks about as darkness and light, then you know that that is a big, monstrous deal because the light of the world is what helps people who are in darkness see. In fact, when we have the Christmas story, the the part of the, the passage in the Old Testament we look at is the people were walking in darkness and they have seen a great light. And then when Jesus gets on the scene, he says of himself, I am the light of the world. I have broken the darkness. And then with the disciples, he's saying, "Look, I'm not going to be here forever, so you are now going to be the light. You are my first choice, and you are my only plan. Do you know that? You are God's first choice, and you are His only plan. He redeems the world with the gospel. Through your testimony. Because your testimony is what bears witness to the truth and the power of the gospel. I would dare say every one of us in this room know, who, who know Jesus Christ, we know Jesus Christ because we first saw Jesus at work in somebody else's life that caused us to be piqued towards the power of the gospel You may or may not be able to to, to call that person by name, but I would would venture to say most of us could think back to somebody who lived their faith. They were light, and in your darkness, that light pierced through. Now, don't don't be mistaken. It is the power of the gospel, and it is the Holy Spirit that changes a heart, but he does that through the means of your story because you are the light of the world. How cool is that? How awesome is that? So how can we be different? Well, it's not like we did in the 80s. I got to tell you, I I think that maybe we had good intentions, but we kind of maybe missed it a little bit. See, back in the 80s, different was about being set apart, and it was primarily external stuff. Do not look like the world. Jennifer, I know you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you all know what I'm talking about? You can't play cards because sinners play cards. See, so y'all didn't know that, did you? See, if you weren't if you weren't alive in the '80s, you had no idea that if you played cards, you were doing the devil's work. You didn't dance. Not only did you not dance, but you didn't even you didn't even tap your foot in some instances. You certainly didn't listen to that music that had drum beats that came from the pit of hell, coming out of the African African drums. You remember that, Brenda? You remember that, don't you? Did, did do y'all know that? There might have been good intentions in this, but the idea of being different is not is not about what you wear and about about what you listen to. Now it could, don't get me wrong, it could have some of those things, but primarily it's not about the stuff that you do as much as it is who you are, because who you are is a reflection of whose you are. You see, if God has done something inside of you, there's a different spirit inside of you, not like the spirit of this world. You say, well, what's the spirit of the world? Well, let's first go to, to, to show, I'm going to show you how you actually be different, okay? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the scripture says this, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got that? Do not become conformed any longer to the pattern of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12, 2. So there are two key words in here. Number one, it's tra- it's conformed. And number two, it's transformed. Both words are important. The word conformed is a word that um, that means that... that uh, you are, you are shifting or you are being shaped by external forces. So it says, do not be conformed. Do not be molded would be a way to say it. Do not be molded by the external forces of the world, by the external values, by the external thoughts, by the things that, that, that the, the, the external, that the, the people of this age value and love and chase after. Don't be conformed to that. But instead, be transformed. So conformed is from the outside in. Transformed is the word that we get, our word metamorphosis. It's metamorpho, metamorpho, I guess. So metamorphosis, so be metamorphosized. That's not really a word, I just thought it was cool. Be, be transformed, it's the idea of a, uh, uh, a little hairy leggy thing. What are they called? Yeah, it's the idea of a caterpillar going into a cocoon, and after the process of being in the cocoon, coming out a marvelous butterfly. Nobody looks at a caterpillar unless you're my friend James the Bugman. Um, there really is a James the Bugman, and he really does love every bug equally. But most of us don't look at a caterpillar and go, Oh, it's so beautiful. Most of us are like, Ooh, that thing's nasty, right? But we do look at a butterfly and go, wow, look at the colors, look at the intricacies, look at the look at the design. So the old is transformed. It goes through metamorphosis. That is a change and a complete change, metamorphosis. It's an entire, complete change from one thing into entirely something else. So the Bible's saying, don't be conformed by the pressures of with from without but be transformed from the reality of what's from within. Well, how you do it? By the renewing of your mind. Here's what Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, it's the truth of what God has said. It's what God has done on the inside that causes us to be different on the outside. But what's happening is, too many of us don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know whose name is on the jersey on our back. But there was a moment where Sherman Smith said, this is going to change. What he did was repent from being an in-name only Christian. And he yielded his life to match his words. And when he did that, he became an impenetrable force for the gospel that is a marvelously miraculous story. Now, there is a rest of the story to that. I may or may not tell you at the end. But believe me when I tell you, it's a story that only God can do. Phenomenal. As in like... Like totally, when, when, I, when I saw this displayed in this story, I literally got chill bumps all over my body and I almost began to cry. It was amazing how God restored and worked in his life. But the reason for that, the entire reason for God's movement in his life was because he chose to let what's inside of him make him different on the outside. And so what does different look like? Well, if you go back to Matthew 5, you'll see the Sermon on the Mount. So we, we, we can go to multiple texts for this, but the Sermon on the Mount says this, Blessed are those, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Is that world-like? Is that age-like? No, that's, that's, not a, that's not a value of this age, is it? It says, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Now there's one that we need. Do you realize we live in a culture that is merciless? If you give mercy, you are automatically different than most everybody around you. Matter of fact, you're not just different, but people don't like you. Because mercy is just not something that we want to give. Um, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Boy, if we ever needed somebody who really understood that verse, it's today, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. We are in the, as divisive of a culture as we could ever possibly be in. If you are a peacemaker, you are somebody that instantly is a difference maker everywhere you go. It doesn't mean that you're soft and it doesn't mean that you don't have convictions. Don't ever let the, the understanding of peacemaker in your life equal uh, non-convictions or equal um, doesn't care that's not what actually a peacemaker is the strongest of the entire group because they're the ones who understand actually what is going on and they tried to be a bridge consequently do you know what you're called to be the Bible tells us that we are to be reconciled to God and that God uses us for his ministry of reconciliation in layman's terms that means we are bridge builders not wall builders come on right? How much of our life, though, are we wall builders and bridge burners? Look, I'm guilty. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody, if not more guilty, because I like to talk, right? But what I'm realizing is this. Walls don't usually help. They are necessary at some points in life, but bridges are far more gospel-centered than walls are. Because bridges help people cross a divide that they otherwise could not go through. We are bridges to God. Because Jesus said, there's one mediator between God and man. That mediator is Christ Jesus. Well, how is Jesus made known? Through you and through me being different. Therefore, we are bridges of God. So here's another way we can tell what it means to be different. If you will, turn over to uh, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, verse 19 uh, through 21 says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, adultery, sorcery, um, hatred, uh, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, uh, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar I'm writing about these things. So in other words, the works of the flesh, the, 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 the common thought and present of the present age are these things and it doesn't take more than about 10 steps outside these doors to see that that's absolutely true right but the antithesis of this the different is this but the fruit of the spirit verse 22 is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control you show me somebody with those characteristics and I'll show you somebody who is automatically different in a crowd. You show, show me somebody who has those qualities and by the way, you don't have those qualities because you work on them. You have those qualities because you yield to the Holy Spirit in your life. These aren't things that you can manufacture. You can't love more on your own. You can be more loving but loving is not the same as love. Because one is, one is a, a, a value that is, that is deep inside. Loving is just an action. I can be loving and not love, right? I mean, I, I, I can fake it and I can, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, man, I, a terrible, it's a horrible thing. What a stupid moron. To hit. I mean, I mean, literally. I mean, literally a person could be like that. They could be loving but not actually love. But you can't actually love and not be loving. Because one is a deep thing that comes by the fruit of the Spirit. The other is something that you try to manufacture, which you can never actually do. Tell me something. Let's just take patience. If you find somebody with patience, are they different? Yeah, they really are, right? You know the people with patience? They're the people letting others merge at the end of a zipper merge. Those are the people with patience. You could also say those are the people with kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, and all the other. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is def- definitely needed in a zipper merge. That's like the most perfect illustration, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. I'm not going to do it. Um, it's, this, it's this intrinsic characteristic that you can't make, but God makes in you. And what he's saying is this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Know who you are and let the difference come because your internal nature is different. In a way, I can say it this way just be yourself. Because yourself is born again and yourself is redeemed. Yourself is the spirit at work inside of you. Now, how do you do that? The way you do that, as Galatians says, is we're to crucify the flesh and we're to live by the Spirit. So each and every day, we recognize, Lord, today I've got, I want to, and I pledge to yield to you. So fill me with your Spirit and do in me and through me only what you would have me do. Um, If you go over to... Philippians. I'm gonna close with this, I think. So in, in, in by the way, Colossians chapter uh, chapter three gives us a good idea too. Uh, verse five and four, there's another list. This is what the eight this the the world looks like, and then this is what a believer looks like, right? Um uh, in in Colossians three 10, it says, and have put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. All right, so one more thing, Philippians chapter two. Here's the why. I always wanted as a kid to know why I need to do something. In fact, I wasn't being disrespectful, it was a, it, it's just the way my brain works. If I don't know why, then I don't, I don't really understand the motivation, it has to make sense to me. And so the question would be, why be different? Is it just to be different? No, it's something much holier than that. We are to be different because we are on display for God's glory. This is what it says. Uh, Go ahead and start in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now in my presence, but not only now in my presence, but even more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who is working in you to will and to work according to his good purpose. So, God is in you. He's working in you. That's the internal stuff. And He has a will and a purpose. He has a a reason He's working inside of you. The reason you are born again is not just so you can go to heaven, but it's so God can hold you up as a trophy of His own grace. Here's what the verse says it says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Can we just stop here for a moment? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Now, don't poke the person next to you. (laughs) Although we all want to, right? Because believe me, they want to poke you too. Here's the thing. Grumbling. Have you noticed how we grumble about everything? It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too windy. It's not enough wind. It's too too much humidity. The grass is too green. The grass isn't green enough. The grass is growing too much. The grass won't grow. And And I haven't even started on things that matter. My house is too big. My house is too small. My car is not good enough. My tires are too old. They're too bald. My tires are too new. I mean, we grumble about everything, don't we? Maybe you don't. But sometimes other people do. Could you just imagine the difference in the places you go and the people you're around if you simply stopped grumbling? Could you imagine the difference? People would flock to you. It'd be like you'd be the oxygen bottle on the side of a football field and everybody's out of air. they come over just to, just to breathe in the fresh air. And what if instead of, just, instead of not grumbling, you actually were the opposite and you were encouraging and you were motivating. Could you imagine the impact you would have in a meeting? They would stop and say, whoa, whoa, what does he have to say? Because he's going to tell us something that's encouraging, right? It says, do not grumble. And then it says, um, and arguing. So complaining and arguing. Man, we live in a world that will argue about arguing. I mean, we will argue just to hear ourselves argue. Because we want to be right. We think we're right. You think you're right. Well, let's just fight about it. Hey, folks, guess what? Uh, most of our arguing really doesn't accomplish anything. You'll have to remind me of this when the next next big thing comes out, right? Actually don't. That's a bad dumb Jeff. Don't say that. Don't ever say that. My kids forget nothing. Bad, bad, bad. The truth is though, if you simply eradicated grumbling and arguing from your life, you would be radically different, wouldn't you? And don't get me wrong, it's not easy. The way you do it is you let the Spirit of God. Think about it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things don't leave room for grumbling or for arguing, do they? Arguing doesn't mean having, it's not about having a conversation that's important. That's not arguing. This is talking about worthless, petty arguing where there's no point to it and there's there's no real outcome. That's what it's talking about. If you just thought of those two things, you would be different. But here's what God says. He says, Do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like the stars in the world because you are the light of the world. Do you see how that all comes back around? Wow, you are the light of the world. And you know what? Hide under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Do that with me. Ready? Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. If you ever sang that with kids, you know that that first line was that way. The second line goes like this. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. And then the third one is even more. Hide it under. I mean, why? Because they're getting excited, going, Whoa, I'm not going to hide my light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Why? Because it's the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I say to you you shine like the stars in the universe when you're different. Are you different? So, once again, you're part of clubs, you're part of schools, you're part of groups, um, you're in, in different organizations. If you were to leave, would they mourn your absence or they celebrate it? Is there any difference at all? Let me cut you some grace, okay? Sometimes it takes consistency and time. For your difference to be known and made. But time does truly tell. Really does. So my prayer for you. Be ye different. Amen? Be different. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ. That's where actually you need to start. The Bible says it's by grace we're saved through faith, not of our works. We can't earn God's favor as love. It's by grace we're saved through faith so that none of us can boast or brag. What we have to do is we have to come before God and say, God, I am a mess. You say, but I'm not a mess. and You can't be saved. And I say that because if you don't think you really need God, then you really don't know how much you do need him. But it's when you're broken over your sin, when, God's, when God reminds you that without him, you are truly lost. And when you agree with God, Lord, I am a sinner. That's called repentance. God, I, I need you because my life is a mess. And I ask you to save me. I ask you to, to give me the spirit of God that you've promised. The Bible says that you become a child of God in a way that you could never do for yourself. We close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. In this place, my prayer for you is that you would know God and that you would live in a way that would make him known. That means your business deals are different. Your conversation's different. The way you love is different. The way you respond to tragedy is different. We don't always get it right. We're not always gonna uh, gonna do the right thing, but, but when we do mess up, we have one who goes before us, a mediator between us and the Father. Take a few moments now, just talk with God. Are you different? Whatever area that God shows you, simply repent and ask God to change you. If you need to come to Christ, do that now.